Hello and welcome to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups. In this episode, we talk about the myth of forgiveness. How do we actually forgive and why does it seem so hard? We also learn how forgiveness can bring us more grace to ourselves and more grace to others. So without further ado, we hope you enjoy this episode, The Myth of Forgiveness. Well, hello, welcome back. It is so good to be um, with Scott and Sarah again as we talk this episode about the myth of forgiveness. And Sarah, can you start with kind of what that myth of forgiveness is? Yes, I think forgiveness, uh, the reason that I think it's a bit of a myth is because we tend to diminish uh, how difficult forgiveness really is, Mm. especially when we've been wounded, deeply wounded, It's a little bit of a misnomer that we think we just can say one day, well, I have forgiven this person or I have forgiven myself or Mm. I forgive God. And much like we were talking about in the episode about the stages of grief, I think forgiveness too is cyclical and something we work on Mm. pretty much our whole life. Mm. If it's something that was really difficult and we're having trouble making sense of it, why it happened, um, then I think the idea that we could just with one flip of a switch, forgive, and now we're done. I wipe my hands and we're off, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's not true. I think we circle back around into the cycle of forgiveness just as many times. Mm -hmm. So I think acceptance, I think there's a bit of a difference. Acceptance is sort of that place we've finally come to where we have, as I say, put whatever loss it was in its proper context, Mm -hmm. sort of in its proper place. It no longer takes up our thinking every single day, Mm. but it's not gone. Mm. It's just that we have been able to weave it back into the narrative of our life in a way that um, allows us to live in the present. Mm. But forgiveness is sort of that other step, I think that is actually quite hard. Mm. And and that is to finally come to some peace that it's okay that that we don't really understand why. Um, Why someone would do something, why, why did we make the choices we make? Why did God allow something to happen to us? Mm. Um, I think that's sort of another level of acceptance, and mm. it takes a lot longer. To me, it's almost a daily practice yeah. of trying to come back into that place of graciousness, because I think that's what forgiveness is, is that place of grace for myself and grace for others. Mm. If we could achieve that perfectly every day, then I suppose we would be God. So we're, right. we're constantly, I think, working through that as a daily practice. Mm. And so um, I like how you have here that there's three forgivenesses. There's the forgiveness of ourselves. There's the forgiveness of someone else. And then I want to actually talk and start with the forgiveness um, that we, that we forgive God. I mean, that's a, that sounds like blasphemy, but it's important because there, there are, there are some grievances. It's like, how could you let this happen? So maybe can we start with God first? Because that seems like the most sensitive, but it is something that we should talk about in regards to, forgiving and moving through a loss. Well, I do think it does sound blasphemous because they're, again, a thought that, well, God is all-knowing and why should I question what Mm. God is doing? Mm. But I think it would, we're only human. And so if something tremendously tragic happens to us that is inexplicable, I think, I mean, we could just look at this last year. We were Mm. just talking about this in the world of COVID. Mm. Do we have any idea why we have gone through this experience. No, I think collectively we're all still coming out of the shock of it and Mm -hmm. going, what in the world? And 
for all intents and purposes, we cannot, there is no rhyme or reason. Right. We don't know why it happened. There's nobody to blame. Yeah. yeah there's right. nobody to blame. We've lost a lot of people. There are mm. a lot of people grieving. There's a lot of people who continue to be sick. Mm. There's a lot of fear of continued sickness. And all of that in the context of history and the world and humanity and our lives, we literally can make no sense of. Mm. And I think that's what makes us so weary in this process is we can't make sense of it. And our brains desperately want to make sense of it. Mm. And why would out of nowhere, if you're living a happy life with someone you love, they are taken from you, mm. maybe within a few weeks time, right. would we be only human to say to God, what are you doing to me? Yeah. Like, why would you do this to me? Mm. Um, why would you take a person I loved mm. uh, with no warning? So I, I think that doubt um, and uh, fear and anxiety, all of that, I think it's okay for us to say to God, we just do not, yeah. just do not understand. And that maybe it might take us some time mm. to come back to the place where you believe that God is going to work this out for our good. Mm. I think that's only human too, mm. because our certainty has been shaken yeah. and now we're living in a more uncertain time. Yeah, sure. Scott, what about you in regards to, um, Let's pivot and talk about forgiving ourselves because that seems like um, one of the, the difficult things is I think there are people that tend to forgive others pretty quickly, um, but it's harder to forgive themselves. So can you talk about why the forgiveness of yourself moving through this grief and loss process is so important? Yeah, I'd like to read the definition from Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary mm-hmm. on a definition of forgive. Um and they say it's to cease to feel resentment against the offender mm-hmm. and the and offender. And so um, how important is it that I forgive myself? Mm-hmm. If, if we go back to those stages of grief, you know, you know, we're angry at ourselves, which is the definition of resentment is anger, turn, anger to rescind anger. Mm-hmm. I won't let myself off the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, by not forgiving myself, um, I, re- I was reading in Bradshaw's book yesterday on, on about shame, and he just says it, this is low-level depression that so many of us struggle with in our lives mm. is because we just won't forgive ourselves mm. for either what we didn't do and, or, or things that we did do. I have found it, it, what that is the definition of regret. Mm. Why didn't I do things differently? Why yeah. wasn't I smarter? Why wasn't I better? Why wasn't I wiser? You know, what I find so interesting is we study shame and forgiveness and grief. They're so all connected. Mm. But uh, I just have to believe uh, I have to remember my past mm. differently. Mm. And so if I can't extend empathy and forgive myself, empathy and compassion, which I think Karn says is the single most important aspect of recovery, he says well, one of them is the ability to extend compassion mm. to yourself, mm. which to me is a good definition of forgiveness. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's systemic in our society, but, um, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know, yeah just overruns us, you know, yeah. you should have been smarter. Mm-hmm. And I, and Sarah and I know, talk about this a lot. I work with, we work with some incredibly successful people mm-hmm. and they still struggle with, I want, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not enough. And so learning to forgive ourselves to me is the beginning 
of healing. Because if I can't forgive myself, right. I'll never be able to move past it. And Because I really think that has been a big issue for me mm. in my life. I've struggled with that low-level chronic depression from just, I just look back on so many mistakes I made. I should have been more attentive. Mm. I should have paid greater attention. I should have done this differently. Mm. And again, we go back to the definition of grief. I wish I would have done, I would have been better. I wish I would have done more of these things. Yeah. I wish I would have been different. Well, it seems like um, it reminds me as you were talking about, um, there's a lot of uh, people that talk about the life, death, life cycle. And it sounds like, you know, we, we just want to stay in the life cycle. And when the death cycle comes, um, in order for new things to be planted, you know, there was a verse um, that was talking about new things in the wasteland or wilderness, things popping up. But you have to be in the wilderness in order to kind of move through it. And so um, I think that forgiveness of yourself is so important because it does gets you stuck in the, you can't even grieve anymore because now it's all about you. And it's the fact that you made these mistakes and if you would have done different, and that's just this loop that you'll never be able to get out of. And so when you're with someone and they're mirroring and you're telling your story, someone's like, Oh, Scott, can you not see, you know, look at, look at A, B, C, and D. And all of a sudden something dawns on you that you've been blindsided by the whole time because we're in this loop of this, this guilt and regret. And so I think that's a really powerful the self-forgiveness is a huge piece of it. Well, and they say that it's people age, the people who are, are, that are healthy mentally and emotionally, they're not afraid of dying. Mm. But the people who struggle with the idea of death are people who are struggling with regret, mm. you know, because they're not at peace mm. with this one life that they had. Mm. Um, I like how Ann Voskamp says, you know, what do you do with this one broken heart? Mm. Um, and you got to heal it. Yeah. You got to heal it, and forgiveness. I really believe begins with because if I can't forgive myself, how right. can I for, really truly forgive someone else? Absolutely. And and so there was that book, um, the the seven regrets. Of, I don't know if you guys have heard about the seven regrets, tops seven regrets or five regrets, the dying. And number one was, I wish I would have lived a life just more for myself. And you would think, oh, it would be this relationship or this job. But the first one was like, I just wish I would have been myself more. And how do you know yourself until you can move into some of these? "Quote unquote darker places um, and get in touch with that, and then once that forgiveness of once you really actually embrace, even if it's just for a second, that moment of self forgiveness, all of a sudden, all of a sudden potential starts to come back up, hope starts to come back up, things that things that you've been putting on the side and saying, I think." part of the the blind spot of a lack of self-forgiveness is you you almost penalize yourself for a little bit. I'm not going to live. I'm not going to live. You know, I did such a bad thing that for the next six months or nine months, like I'm just going to kind of be alone. I deserve this. I, I should be alone. And that that's not part of it. That's nobody, that's not part of the process, but that's the lie that we believe is I did a bad thing and I need to be punished and I'm going to wait here until quote unquote, my self punishment's over with. So I really am glad you talked about self forgiveness because that's such a such a blind spot for most of us. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking here with the National Grief Institute talking about forgiveness. This is a beautiful quote: "Forgiveness is giving up the hope of a different or better yesterday." Mm-hmm. And just and then if I internalize it, Scott, you need to give up the hope that you would have done things different mm-hmm. or you would have been better yesterday. Um, it's it's okay. 
Well, I think it's that also, that beautiful recognition of if we allow and if we move through these phases, God can use all of it and can repurpose. But no repurposing is going to go on. Like you talk about the books the, the books that you've been able to write, the fact that Restore Small Group exists, all of these things, all of these, these things that have brought light in the people's lives all probably came from this wilderness, from this experience. And so, um, but again, I, I think that the forgiveness piece is, is big. And the third one, you know, that I want to cover is the forgiveness of, of others. Yeah, and, and there's a last thing. You know, I, I, if I can't forgive myself, then I'm never going to be able to learn and develop and grow from wisdom. Mm. I'm going to be stuck mm. and just get depressed from it. So it, it's huge that we learn to forgive ourselves. Otherwise, we'll look upon our mistakes and our struggles and our weaknesses mm. as just permanent flaws yes and, and um and i'm doomed and destined to repeat them. like no i didn't do a bad thing i am like um, you said that or that, that's yes. can you can you remind that again because i think it's so important because you can look back and say i just wish i would have been different instead of saying i made bad decisions okay it's but i'm not a bad person i in this present moment but you you talk about present moment and how forgiveness kind of brings us to that present moment. So last but not least, the forgiveness of others, especially if people have hurt us. Can you talk a little about how that's an important part of the grief process? Well, I think it's, I think it's incredibly difficult to forgive others. Again, I think we diminish, but we just say it out loud and, Oh, I've forgiven them. Uh, But then, you know, you can always test that theory by thinking of that person and, Mm do you do you really forgive them or would you you know like to go find them and mm. yell at them mm. <laughs> I was like I can test myself that way and be like sure. have I really forgiven yeah. this person no um, but I I think that forgiveness of other people and forgiveness of ourselves like we're talking are, are extremely intertwined mm. um, I think when we can levy that compassion on ourselves then we can understand that other people too and again this 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 idea of sort of coming at um, life with a sense of graciousness is like I can I see where I made mistakes mm. how easy it was I can understand how other people could make mistakes mm. and we're not necessarily in a lot of cases people are not maliciously out to hurt they just are unaware mm. and self involved and not realizing what they're doing. Right. Um, now, there is a percentage of people out there who have intentionally harmed other people. I'm not necessarily putting them, and that's a hard right. hard forgiveness mm-hmm. is when someone has intentionally hurt someone else knowing mm-hmm. what they were doing. Sure. Um, and But I, I think, again, it's just a process that we have to continue to try to wake up every day and do. Yeah. But I also give a lot of grace and mercy to everyone who's struggling doing that. Sure. Because I think, again, and I've been in group. Um, I've actually led groups in which other people sort of levied advice at me, um, about whether I should, you know, forgive and what that should look like and the urgency to forgive. And I always find that interesting when someone else urges me to forgive. Why is, I always ask myself the question, why is that important Mm. to you? This is my journey, you know, which is why I don't levy that advice on other people. (laughs) But, um, but it's a it's a process like any other, and you can't really advise someone on that because you don't know the level of wounding that yes. they have been through. Yeah, and and Sarah too, maybe something that's helpful for people is to forgive or let go of the fact that you just can't make sense of what happened. So, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I think sometimes 
Um, sometimes it's outer forces in our lives that happen and we just can't make sense of that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times too, we, it's really hard to make sense of why people, often the people closest to us are the ones that wound us. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we, we have a hard time making sense of like why that would be, you know, um, you know, I turn to, I'll talk openly about my relationship with my family of origin and especially with my father. And we, our relationship, unfortunately, just has not gone the way that I hoped it would mm. in my life. And there's been a so much grief yeah. around that. And then as I process the grief, so much need to forgive sure. around that and to come at it from, and I've, and, and I have actively tried to come from every angle. Like this is a human being who yeah. has problems and a background and a story. Mm. And all of that culminates into the relationship that he and I have. Mm. But there is still in that relationship a certain element of non-understanding in my mind Mm. of why this relationship is the way it is and why the woundings have been and continue. As a, I am a parent now and I do not operate with my children in the same way. Doesn't make sense. So I can't make sense of it. My brain just can't get there. I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to not talk to my children. I can't. And so when that happens, and I think that happens for a lot of people, if they can't wrap their mind around and make sense of it, it's just very hard to know, well, what do I do with this? How do I forgive the thing I cannot Mm. comprehend? Mm. Um, And I'm still trying. So I share that openly as a work in progress. Still trying. I just try to wake up every day and remember that very thing. He's a human being. I'm a human being. And at the end of the day, I answer for my life sure. and he answers for his. Yeah. And that's where I try to bring in the forgiveness. It, But it will never be what I want it to be. Mm. And so I continue to grieve mm. that. And specifically, um, Scott, when when we move into these stages of forgiveness and all these other kind of things, one of the things is um, just identifying the resentment. I mean, there's, there's resentment involved. And like you were saying, Sarah, with... Um, the family of origin or whatever else. Sometimes you can't make sense of it. And then sometimes you can't, um, you feel bad. Maybe there's some guilt for having that resentment of what happened to you. But you were talking earlier about um, forgiveness is not condoning. It's not, if anybody's ever, you know, God forbid, been um, abused or anything like that. You know, if you're trying to move into forgiveness, that's not the same as condoning or saying it didn't happen. So can you talk about that? Because that's something that is very important for people to know that, if you if you had a really difficult experience that someone really did hurt you, and and you know there's resentment there, just because you're seeking to forgive and move into peace yourself does not condone removing boundaries and jumping back in or anything like that. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, this week, you know, forgiveness is for me, mm. you know, so that I can regain my mental well-being, my emotional well-being. Right. It does not mean I forget. Mm. It does not mean I don't learn to now have appropriate boundaries that will uh, keep me in a healthy place. It's, it's uh, uh, just, you know, I think so many of us think, well, if I forgive you for what you did, then that means I'm condoning it or somehow. And, and some of these things that have happened to people, to us, is tragic mm. uh, and extremely tragic. And so... To think that that would trivialize it to just say, well, we're just going to forgive them. Mm. It's like, what? Mm. You know, you, do you not know what they did, what they said, yeah. what they, you know? Um, it was horrible. Mm. And it hurt me. Mm. It still hurts. It yeah. still hurts. Yeah. And it probably will, will hurt. But, uh, I, again, forgiveness is an action. Mm. It's not a feeling. Mm. 
So that's why I tell people, I can forgive you, but I'm still feeling hurt, mm. angry, and sad, and you know the feelings, and, and those we need to own and to process. Mm. But f- forgiving is just, again, I, I let it go, hoping that it would ever have been any different. Um, but I do not condone it, and I do not forget it. Mm. Um, that's that's significant. I, I think that's why some people struggle when they get into twelve steps and they get to steps eight and nine. Mm. You know, they, they don't want to. They don't want to. They they think of forgiveness as somehow I'm telling you it's okay what you did to me, mm. and it is not. Mm-hmm. And I think a side note to that is forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation right. either. Right. So when we're talking about healthy yeah. boundaries, same with, you know, condoning does not mean, and I think this has gotten mixed up far too often, is that if I forgive someone, I have to walk right back into a relationship with them, right. even if the relationship is highly toxic. And sure. that is absolutely not true. Right. Um, in fact, I think sometimes forgiveness can only come from a distance um, because every time you encounter that person, you get wounded. Yeah. It's never going to get there. Yeah. So you just have to cut off the wounding somehow and then move towards forgiveness. Yeah, I think if I can forgive, it frees me to move on with my life and be present. Otherwise, I'm going to be stuck in the resentment. Mm. And I'm the one Mm. that's still stuck. The the perpetrator or whoever did the harm, they can be fine. Yeah. I'm the one that's that's suffering. So forgiveness is for me. Mm. For me, can you talk a little about um, maybe some of the the uh, when you start to move into self forgiveness and you start to forgive others and you start to heal? Um, I, I've noticed a lot of people will go through a career transition, a relationship conflict, whatever else, and they'll move through the process, but they're like, "Oh, the past is the past," and I'm gonna I'm gonna do these things. Can you talk a little bit about? how you've seen in group people move through these processes and actually change from them and take accountability to say, wow, I was this and I did do those things. So there's this balance of, okay, I forgive myself, right? But then there's the balance of, but I still did it. So can you talk a bit about your experience of seeing people's lives change from actually moving through this process and they end up, you know, healing and, and, and if they're the perpetrator, for instance, um, how, how, to, how have you seen people that have hurt people actually come back and change from that process? Well, well yeah, I'll take a shot at that. I mean, the greatest perpetrator in my life has been myself. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I'm, I'm the one who is, in, and I have not been able to forgive myself. Mm. Um, in, the, in the 12 steps, we get to steps eight and nine where we make amends. And so how do you make amends to yourself mm. for, for, you know, and I love to, they say there's two forms of, of amends. There's a historical where I just, this is what I did. Mm. The event, the action, the choice. But the second amends is what they call a living amends. Mm. And this is where I see, um, yes, it's a beginning to forgive myself. But I think it's even more important is now how do I learn from that and how do I change and how do I walk that out? Right. And if especially if it does involve other people in my life mm. that I know that I have harmed mm. and I'm having a hard time forgiving myself for that, I can't change what I once was, but I can change who I am today yes. and how I'm living out that amends. And I really take that to heart in my own recovery mm. is I've wanted to live differently. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, and that living out that amends 
just has such power. Mm. Cause then you create a new future. I mean, it's like, it's like that you have to forgive the past for any type of new future. But if you're stuck in resentment, if you're stuck in self, if you're stuck in self judgment, it's just perpetual. The past is nothing's changing, nothing in your outer world. So then you're like, well, I guess I am stuck. And it's like, no, you, you have to move through this process. And there is this weird empowerment that comes when you own it, but you've forgiven it. It's this beautiful balance of saying, I did do those things but I'm different now and I'm starting to feel that and I'm, and I'm showing up not for anybody else. Cause it's good to talk about that intrinsic motivation is really important because you can move through this process and almost do it for someone else to, so that they'll forgive you. And that's another trap because that may not come. And if it doesn't, then where are you? So it really is a personal, it's a, it's a personal um, journey that you have to take for yourself to free yourself. Right. You know, my circumstances may never change. Mm as the consequences of something that I that I did mm. but I can change mm. and that's what I gotta ultimately be able to live with Frankl says that when our circumstances won't change we must mm. change mm. and so forgiveness is huge in, in, in either direction it's becoming at peace mm. with myself mm. And if I can walk that out on a daily basis and actually learn from it and grow and live from a different place, mm. uh, th- that's that's what we see. Yeah. Yeah. I think the hardest part, of course, is accountability. Mm. Is having to have just know the honest truth about ourselves and yeah. our capacity, all of our capacities to make mistakes and hurt other people. Yeah. That's not. I do remember that moment. Uh, when in my twenties of finally being responsible for who I was as a person, Mm. but at the same time also having grace and mercy, it was that blending of like that grace and mercy for not having been given the life skills to make good decisions and then making bad ones and then having to forgive myself for the bad ones, but also at the same time take accountability for the fact that I still made them. And so it's a hard line Mm. because we we so easily I think levy judgment at each other, mm. and so it's easy to then take that in. Yeah, you know I mean, um, yeah, it's true. And and there were some harsh words levied at me for for my mistakes, but and it's they were actually true. I mean, yeah. it's not nice when someone says that to you, right. but a lot of times what they're telling you is the truth. Mm. And then you have to. That's where that humility of like coming to terms with. Yep, that's that's what I did. Yeah. You know, I hurt this person or I made that choice or I've affected other people's lives now. Like I am, I'm not, not guilty in this, Mm. even though I can see that maybe I was not set up for, you know, making all these good decisions in life. So it's a hard line. I think the humility of having to constantly evaluate, you know, where we need to forgive ourselves and others and then accept that, yes, sometimes other people have to forgive us for the things that we've done. So it's, it's all difficult and requires a, a lot of self-evaluation and humility. But I also think we need to have grace in that if if we've gotten to the place of realizing we need to forgive ourselves, that also means we've reached a level of self-awareness yes. that's important. Yeah. I saw a little cartoon the other day with a counselor and a, and a person, like a, a 
person on the couch waiting to be counseled and the counselor said, you're very self-aware. And the person said, yeah, can you make it stop? <laughs> so, and I thought that was hilarious because I good. was like, yeah, yeah, you get to like the, the downside of being self-aware is you start to realize, oops, yeah, there's things I got to forgive myself yeah, for sure. other people for, and now other people have to forgive me. So, mm. Uh, it's all a, a journey. If if we're to that point, we should celebrate a sure. level of self-awareness, mm-hmm. and yet it's it's also challenging. Yeah. Richard Rohr says, unless it is named, unless it is owned, it cannot be redeemed. Mm. And so that's, um, and I think a forgiveness is big on that. Mm. Mm. Otherwise, I'm just in denial, mm. and uh, nothing good ever out of denial. Yeah. And I think it may help too that it reminds me of, a, of an episode we were talking about our true self and the false self. It's like, you also have to, who are you forgiving? Right. And it's like, that's a big caveat because if you can identify, I did make the mistakes, but man, now I'm starting to move into my true self. I realize how much of my false self was in action there. And again, it's not condoning it, but it, you can look back and say, oh, well, looking back at some of that early programming, you know, some of that early messages that I got, that that may give you some buoyancy if you're like me or other people that have a hard time forgiving yourself. Sometimes it helps to ask yourself, you know, is was it some of that false self that was doing a lot of that, just trying, like somebody said one day, and I thought it was so beautiful, people, people act from two places, love or a call for love. And so even the mistakes you made, they're just a call for love. They're like, I, I'm seeking, you know, some kind of call for love. And so, um, I do think it's helpful to remember that, you know, that this is a spiritual journey too. I, I think that not only should you not go alone in without it being in a group process, but this is something to invite the power of God into and to really experience that grace. Well, the last thing I did want to ask about is I love this quote, practicing the most gracious assumption. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So I uh, recently read Brene, but we're always talking about Brene Brown too. Brene Brown's book, Rising Strong. And in it, um, she talks about, and this just really struck me. I probably will never forget it is the idea of practicing with other people, Mm. the most gracious assumption of what their motivations are. Mm. So I think we tend in, in our own minds when, when we've been hurt or we experience failure or we feel shame ourselves, we then look, we're like looking around, who can I blame for this yucky feeling I have right now? (laughs) Who's the closest? Uh, And the idea that we should stop and say to ourselves, okay, I, instead of me making assumptions about what this person's motivation was, let mm. me come at it from the most gracious place I can. What might have been the most gracious assumption of what was happening with them? Mm. So even if they hurt you or you hurt them, starting from a place of almost forgiveness or graciousness that says, uh, I'm going to assume you were not out to hurt me. I'm going to assume that you weren't out to shame me. I'm mm. going to assume that whatever this thing that happened came from um is there's something there's something going on with you too. So mm-hmm. this is a human moment where yeah. we connect. And I think it's just a really good pra- I've been trying to do this ever since I uh, read it because I think it's a good practice to say, okay, I can take the assumptions that I think what other people are thinking mm-hmm. or doing or what motivation they're moving out of. And I could take that and run with it all day. Mm. And then I can create a big old story that, and that's the other thing that she talks about is like with, even within her staff, when they start to have emotional reactions to things, they stop and say, well, the story I'm telling myself is this. Mm. And that story is usually a story of shame. The story Mm. I'm telling myself is you think I'm a failure or the story I'm telling myself is you don't think I'm good enough or that's really hard to do and, and stop. But 
you imagine there's probably a lot of hurt that could be sure. uh, mitigated mm. if we just said, I'm, I'm going to tell you that internally right now, this is what's happening with me. Yeah. So uh, it's just, I think it's a beautiful practice. And then again, kind of a test to see how do I feel about this person? Can I actually come from a place of a gracious assumption about them? Or do I just really like everything in me does not like this person right now? Sure. And I got to get to a better place yeah. than that. Um, so, and I think depending on the person can be, can be hard, yeah. very hard. Um, so I think it's a good place to start with forgiveness to just sort of practice it in a way and daily mm. is to think about, the places of anger and hurt and say, what can I assume about that person's humanity yeah. that would make this easier? Because I would want someone to do that for me mm, that's to, ass- beautiful. to assume my humanity. Well, and maybe to end on, you know, high or hopeful or whatever note you want to call it. Um, it, when relationships, when this process works and two individuals, there is actual healing and reconciliation. And that's how be a romantic relationship. It could just be a friendship, father, daughter, all of those things. From y'all's perspective, what are the ingredients that go into that? Um, that turns out to be a, a, a hopeful story, a, an inspiring story to say, wow, these two people, they hurt each other a lot, but there was, there is healing and reconciliation. And now they have a whole new relationship because of their past. So can you talk about some of the ingredients that make that happen? I think there's one predominant one, humility. Mm. I mean, it's what it, it takes two people being really humble mm. to look at you know, we always have our side of the story, you know, and um, but we want to focus on the other person's, what they didn't do or what they did do. Mm-hmm. And so um, and instead of being humble enough to look at how did I contribute to it. Right. But if two people are humble and uh, are willing to enter into it uh, from that position and, bec- and here's what I'm aware of, this is what I... This is what I know I did mm. to you, and I'm sorry. Mm. And, and the other person has that same ability. And I was going to say earlier that this is to me is really important. True forgiveness has no agenda. Mm. It has no agenda other than I'm extending it to you, you know, and, and it's really for me mm. so that I can be at peace. But I think a lot of us still use amends and, and forgiveness as some form of manipulation that there's a perceived outcome or a predetermined mm-hmm. outcome that they want to see happen. Mm-hmm. you got to be humble and let that all go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen this really actually play out beautifully, and I don't think you would mind me sharing. My husband and his father, his biological father, mm-hmm. who had a broken relationship for many, many years, and his, his dad just honestly just started showing up like I think that's another key element of trust has been broke if a relationship has been broken then trust has been broken Mm -hmm. and so every week he would call Mm -hmm. and at first my husband was like oh (laughs) and then uh every week it began to be a thing that he anticipated Mm -hmm. and looked forward to and if he didn't call he was like huh I wonder why he didn't call Mm -hmm. and over time I mean and this has been 10 years he has called every Sunday for almost 10 years wow and you talk about showing up and there's their relationship is totally different, mm-hmm. totally transformed. Mm-hmm. And 
there's something to be said for just persistence mm. in in saying, okay, this relationship was broken. I'm now going to show up in the way in which I broke it, mm. and I'm going to sh- consistently show up. I'm mm. going to rebuild that trust. Mm. Um, and again, with not also, I feel like he really did it not with without the agenda of saying this will have a if I do this long enough, this will yeah. have a certain outcome. I think he that was his way of making amends. Mm. But it worked and it's beautiful mm-hmm. uh, to to see that happen over time again. Also, humility is involved in that, right? Yeah. You have to be the one to humble yourself and say, okay, I'll, mm-hmm. I am going to initiate because I didn't initiate for all these years. Yeah. So now I will. Yeah. Um, so I, I've seen that play out wow. and it's really beautiful when it does, but it's rare. Mm-hmm. And But to watch it gives me hope because yeah, I'm sure. like, it can happen. Yeah, it can happen. absolutely. Well, Scott, do you want to finish up with anything? Yeah, I, I just think that at the heart of forgiveness... Is grace, mm. and grace always has the potential to transform any situation, mm. transform a human being, and it can transform relationships. But remember, if I change, all my relationships will ultimately change. Mm. And so, that's I come back to where I, I think maybe just because where I've been, but self forgiveness is such a key, kind of a catalyst mm. to. A whole new life mm. of in our relationships. Mm. That's beautiful. And just a reminder that no whether you're going through the grief process on the front end or you're coming out and you're moving through it um, with the acceptance and forgiveness. Again, this is so much easier <laughs> when you're in a group that supports and also going after the same thing. And so there's so these shared experiences where you don't feel so alone, and um, you can start to see real change that starts to happen in your life. Yeah, I, th- I think the hopes. And dreams and expectations that I had for life mm. that I missed. Instead of blaming myself, I forgive myself. Mm. And it doesn't matter how old you are. And that's the beginning, I think, of, of a new beginning. Mm. That's beautiful. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, we hope that you know that you're loved, you're supported, and um, check out all the small groups that we have going on. We're going into the winter months as we record this. So be a great time to, uh, to reach out and to know that you're loved and supported. You don't have to do this alone. Well, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Restore Small Groups is a nonprofit based in Nashville, Tennessee. To find out more, visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org.